This is Live Well Talk on tobacco cessation. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at UnityPoint Health, St. Luke's Hospital. Each year, more than 480,000 people in the United States die from illnesses directly related to tobacco use. That's one in five deaths. Tobacco use not only causes cancer, it can damage nearly every organ in the human body. Fortunately, there are various approaches to quitting for good. Here to tell us more about tobacco cessation is Mary Jo Henry, Tobacco Treatment Specialist with UnityPoint Clinic Multispecialty. Welcome. Thank you for having me. You know, uh, nicotine addiction is just is such a horrible condition to have. Some people are more um, addicted, if you will, than others. Some can easily quit. Some cannot. I remember my own father uh, having a bilateral uh, below-the-knee amputation for peripheral vascular disease and still wanting to smoke, knowing full well that it was cigarettes that caused that. You know, So if losing your legs is not a motivation to quit, uh, it's hard to imagine uh, what would be. Mm-hmm. And I know you had some experience in this for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's interesting that I think people underappreciate the addiction potential of nicotine mm-hmm. uh, when exposed to it. You know, they mm-hmm. think of cocaine and heroin, and those are all uh, commonly thought of as addictive substances that can't be, uh, can't be done without uh, in some individuals. But I, I think caffeine and nicotine are two that we kind of take for granted because they're so common. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what's your approach to having a patient uh, curtail and hopefully quit smoking? Well, uh, first of all, I almost always explain the addiction, how it works, because um, I think that's really helpful for them and um, when they're trying to quit. And another thing that I, I want them to understand the addiction is because of treatment, because of the medications we use. A lot of people are really confused when they're wanting to quit smoking, trying to quit nicotine, and I recommend that we use nicotine replacement therapy. Now, question. I've always found in my practice that there are different types of smokers. Mm-hmm. There's some smokers that's something to do with their hands. Mm-hmm. Truck drivers, for example, might be something to do with their hands as they drive. Other people are truly the nicotine addiction, and you do see that. So do, so do, you, do you break down kind of and categorize or put your patients in specific categories or buckets to say that this is how I'm going to approach this one, or is it just across the board approach? I think we smokers and, and maybe us as clinicians to try to do that, or, or we feel like, yeah, oh, it's not. I think we underestimate the nicotine addiction, okay? I think, yeah, there is, there first, and I still have patients that are coming to me and they're telling me that their doctors or their providers are telling them it is not an addiction, it's a habit. You just quit. And that is not true. It is an addiction. It's a very strong addiction with a habit component to it. Okay. And, and so you have to get the, we all have nicotine receptors in our brain and to get through and manage the nicotine addiction, that has to be addressed, and as long as you keep feeding the nicotine addiction, you're never going to be able to break that cycle. So a lot of people, there is that part, the habit part of it, but you can't minimize the nicotine addiction. It is, and I think it's very helpful for people. I think there is the, the hand, like you said, the hand um, mouth thing. That's a part of every addiction, every nicotine addicted person. Some is, that's more of it than another, mm-hmm. you know. And no, I don't try to break it up. What I try, how I try to, or how I break down um, what approach or, or I'm going to go um, try to help this patient 
is where they are in readiness to quit. Because we all know we love someone and, and you, like your example was perfect of your father. But until he is ready, there isn't anything anybody can do. And maybe if they aren't physically able to go get the cigarettes, you know, that's, that's Correct. Yeah, one way. Yeah. There's always an enabler somewhere with most addictions. But right. Yeah. Do you have, I mean, what was your first step after you've had that conversation, whether or not they're ready to quit or not? Are, are there patients out there that can just quit cold turkey? Just There stop? are, but it's the... What percentage? I don't know a percentage. I'm sorry, uh, Dr. Arnold. Um, but I think that is the exception. You could have made up something. I would have believed it. No, okay. right. I'm not very good at thinking about it. All right. Then, no, that's, that's, that's fine, Mary. That's why we love you because you're nice and honest. Um, so, so what was the f- first step? You, 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 first of all, you get them to look at cigarettes and nicotine as a, 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 an addiction to a, a substance. Mm-hmm. And that it should be considered a, a, a disease like any other diabetes or COPD, um, and um, it's a treatment plan. We said we get a, a treatment plan uh, together and, and then stick to it. It's different because there is behavior modification. We all know that it's hard to change and get people to change their ways. Um, and so uh, I'm, I have my training. My, I receive my tobacco treatment specialist through Mayo Clinic. Um, and their approach is using motivational interviewing. And I don't claim to be a, 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 an all-out expert in motivational interviewing. Um, it's, it, basically, what it comes down to is helping the patient um, find their reasons and their motivation for wanting to quit. And if they're not there yet, giving them some things to think about. Um, so when they are ready, they have a little bit um, of head start. They have some tools in their toolbox to get started. What percentage of the patients that you work with are there all already motivated? They're they're like, I'm here today because I want to quit smoking. What percentage are like, my wife made me come or my doctor made me come? Well, we're trying to do a better job of screening out those. Not that it's not um, that it can't be beneficial. Like I said, I try to plant some some thoughts in, in their mind and give them something to think about if they're not ready. Um, so that's gotten better. Um, and I would say probably, it's a rough guess, but 75% are, are ready. Are ready. Mm-hmm. Motivated. Mm-hmm. What, what, is, what is the most, I'm sure all motivations individualized, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and I admit that freely, but is it the financial costs, the, the health risks, the lack of socialization? Those are all big, very, very big uh, factors um, and very common in a lot of people. Health and, and the cost. I mean, even if people aren't having health consequences yet or noticeable health consequences, uh, if you figure out if a pack a day smoker at a, a little over $6 a pack for an average cigarette, we're talking uh, about $2,500 a year. Yeah, there's a guy in front of me at the convenience store the other day, and he bought a pack of cigarettes, and it was like seven something, you know. And right. I was like, "Oh my god!" My dad used to give me a ten dollar bill, and he'd call up to the handy mart, and I'd ride my bike up there, and I'd buy a pack, a carton of old gold filters, mm-hmm. and it was like nine dollars and change. And then what was left over, I got to buy candy with, you know. And then I'd ride it back home to him. And then I was just thinking, this guy just throws down, you know, a ten dollar bill and gets, you know, 
just a small amount of money back for one pack. Right. And and as with any addiction, uh, when you're actively addicted, you're minimizing that. I mean, you just, there isn't, it doesn't matter how much it's going to cost. Um, you need to have that. You want to have that. And, and people who can afford that financially, they put it out of their mind. I mean, they just don't think about it or they try not to. And so bringing that to the forefront and, and, and start saying, what are you, what would you do with that money? So to help them get motivated, I bring that to light um, and help them figure out how much they're actually spending in cigarettes. And then when they're, and, and what would you start, what would you use that money for? What would you start thinking about that? And then when they're actually cutting down or quitting or have quit, putting that money away, putting it in a jar, putting it separately in a separate account and really see how my, how quickly that's adding up yeah. and to use when they meet maybe their first milestone or their second milestone. Um, so they haven't smoked for a month. Take some of that money and reward, reward yourself for the hard work. It's hard work to quit smoking. It's much easier to keep smoking. And so take that, reward yourself, and our pocketbooks are a, a pretty good motivator for us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's interesting how things have changed. You know, it used to be that the non-smoking section of a restaurant was uh, a, a card table in the back of the, uh, mm-hmm. the you know, the storage mm-hmm. room, mm-hmm. and the nice section was the smoking section. Mm-hmm. And that, so that certainly has changed. I had a patient one time, uh, she was in the Navy, and other sailors would go up deck to have a smoke break and then she went up once and she wasn't a smoker and you know she was reprimanded you can't just come up here you know but it was okay to go up and smoke so she started smoking so she could get these breaks you know mm-hmm. and then help work with her with uh, when well butrin came out for that way back when mm-hmm. uh to get off that but one of the things i used to do and i do not have near the experience that you have in in assisting people with quitting uh, cigarettes i i would t- give them the talk about it's a drug Mm-hmm. And I would say, okay, you sp- how many cigarettes a day do you smoke? I smoke 20. I'd say, okay, we're going to go down one cigarette every three days until we, we're done. Mm-hmm. You know? And I used to tell them that if, it, if it's 10 p.m. at night and you were supposed to smoke seven cigarettes that day and you would only smoke five, I said, you got to sit on the edge of bed and smoke those two back to back. You have to think of it more as a chemical that you're getting out of your system and you have to titrate off. And that was really successful for some people. Some people didn't work at all. Right. You know? And that's why each quit plan is individualized. Yeah, it has to be. Absolutely has to be. Nicotine, the, the receptors in the brain get used to how much nicotine they're given. Okay. And so, um, if you decrease that slowly, it can be a little bit less painful, less nicotine withdrawal symptoms. Okay. And some people, they're, they want, they set a quit date and they want to quit. And they, and that's when they want to do. And that, and that works for them. There's other people and, I find that most of them, especially long-term smokers, prefer the reduce-to-quit method. Titrate offs, mm-hmm. curtail back mm-hmm. over time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And using any of the medicines almost double their chance of being successful. You mentioned nicotine addiction, mm-hmm. nic- excuse me, nicotine withdrawal symptoms. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me what some of those are? Um, irritability, difficulty concentrating, um, nervousness. Um, less common or less known ones are uh, constipation because uh, nicotine is a stimulant. Huh. Um, oh, there's all kinds of them. Um, and how long do they last? So if I one of the 
techniques that I, I use a lot and recommend with my patients um, is I, I, I ask them, do they realize that that urge to smoke is going to go away whether they have a cigarette or not? And, and some of them do, but some of them, some of them that is a completely a thought that they had never thought of before. And so I say, that comes to your mind. Say, okay, I would like a cigarette, but I'm not going to act on it for at least 10 minutes. And then get busy. Do something that distracts your mind from thinking about that cigarette. And that thought will, and it works. The thought will come back. Okay, if you can delay it again, another 10 minutes, do that. But, you know, the thought comes back, okay, now I, I'll, I'll have a cigarette. So I think it, it's minutes that the, that the feeling is there and that urge to smoke, but it will go away. It will go away in, in a matter of minutes. It'll come back. And the more you don't act on it, um, the longer it is before that thought comes back again. And another um, helpful technique for the hand-mouth thing is having people talking to them about simulating those motions of smoking without actually smoking. Um, so using an object that kind of looks or feels like a cigarette, a lot of, a, a straw, um, a cut straw is something that... Well, we can't have those because of sea turtles, though, so that's going to... Oh, yeah, that's true, yeah. yeah so well, paper ones, okay, I guess we can right, have we paper, paper ones, ones now, right. yeah. Uh, and, and, and so when they've delayed um, as long as they can, and now they, they're, they're going to have a cigarette, and when they're reaching, instead of reaching for the cigarette, you reach for the straw, and you put it to your mouth like you, know, um, you do when, when you're smoking. Simulate that inhalation. Hold, hold it, and, and then a long, deep breath out. And that's very similar to the inhaling of the, the cigarette. So they're, they, they get that feeling of the lungs filling up, and, um, but with air uh, rather than the um, harmful smoke uh, from the cigarette. And then that, that deep breathing, that purposeful slowing down the breathing and taking the deep breath also helps with the nicotine withdrawal symptoms by calming calming them down. The, the gum mm -hmm. and the patch, how do those fit into your treatment? Um, it's, uh, my, it's probably what I use the most. And I, and which, I is, which is the gum or the patch? Or? Together. Together. The, my recommendation, unless there's a compelling reason why you can't use one or the other, um, is to use a combination of long and short-acting nicotine replacement. Um, so the, you, the patch takes the edge off of the nicotine withdrawal symptoms. And so, but there's still the habit part. And so using the gum or the lozenges, when they're having that urge, helping them delay and start to figure out what am I going to do instead of smoking? What am I going to do to replace this, um, the time and, and uh, activity of smoking? Um, and so the patch takes the edge off and then the nicotine, the short acting nicotine replacement gives them that, um, pulse of, of nicotine to help them through the really strong urges so that they can focus their energy on behavior changing and reducing their triggers. So a stick of gum, nicotine gum, is equal to how many cigarettes? Well, um, well it's, it, and I, it, the ones that I know anyway, there may be sticks, but they're, it's not sticks. It's, it's um, little squares and, and maybe little tabs. Um, and they come in two and four milligrams. Two and four. And if you're using them on without the nicotine patch, then I, you use the four milligram. If you're using it in conjunction with the nicotine patch, um, two milligram. But my experience is that they're very similar in cost. 
Uh, and so I just have people buy the four milligrams and break them in half. Okay, well that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So the let me get the so if the the patches are twenty one fourteen and seven, correct? and that's based on how much smoke. So what is that? What's twenty one is equal to how many packs a day? Uh, uh, one pack a day. One pack a day. Okay. And I don't know that I I wouldn't say I don't know that it's equal to, but that is maybe it is, but I hadn't thought about it in that way. But that if someone is smoking a pack a day, if we use a twenty one milligram patch, we should be able to satisfy or calm those nicotine receptors, okay? And and a lot of times people will tell me, well, I've tried that and it didn't work for me. Well, how much do you, uh, so how much do you smoke? Two packs a day. Well, how many, what patch did you wear? Uh, well, sometimes it's even 14 milligram or it's 21 milligram, but it's not enough. Even the 21 milligram isn't enough. And And most prescribers, not that you need a prescription, you don't need a prescription for nicotine replacement. It's over the counter. Um, but people, um, Healthcare care providers are people who um, patients turn to to help them quit smoking aren't comfortable saying you need to be wearing two patches. Two, um, if, if they're smoking between uh, um, 30 and 40 cigarettes a day, it's 35 milligrams or even up to um, uh, 20 or 48 milligrams. So two patches. Two patches. And you just put on two 24s and to make right. 48. Hmm. All right. That's, that's a good right. clinical parole there. Mm -hmm. The pills. Uh, the various formulations of uh, Wellbutrin uh, have been marketed for nicotine. Tell us about that. How does that fit into your practice? I use it. Um, I use it quite a bit. Uh, and and I, as I can tell you with the nicotine replacement and also Varenicline, um, Chantex, I can tell you the um, exact mechanism how those work. We don't know exactly how Wellbutrin or bupropion um, does help. We think it has to do with that dopamine response that you get from smoking the cigarette. That when you inhale a cigarette, smoking a cigarette is the most efficient way to get the nicotine to your brain. It happens in less than a minute, usually about 30 seconds, that that nicotine is at the receptor and that dopamine is being re being released. Okay, so um, we think that that has that bupropion works somewhere in in that pathway with with the dopamine. What we do know for sure is that studies show that people who are trying to quit cold turkey, not using any medicines versus using the bupropion, the Wellbutrin, they had a higher success rate. Okay. So it so it truly is a tapestry woven together for each patient. Absolutely. It's so unique. Absolutely. And in the real world, um, you know, cost is an issue, and and um, more the, so than ever. It's just in general in healthcare, more right? So right. And, and, you know, the the studies have shown so varenicline or Chantix is the first medication that was ever developed to help people quit smoking. That came out in the in the nineties, and our research shows that it is the most effective. It has the highest success rate, but it's also the most expensive, and it also has the potential for most side effects. Okay, um, but not the research also shows that using the combination of the long and short-acting nicotine replacement almost reaches that of the um, varenicline. Well, I, I and there's less side effects. The, the benefit potential. of not smoking is worth trying these different mechanisms Absolutely. and keep trying. You know, mm -hmm. I don't think you're never. 
The varenicline, I just like to say how that works. It, um, it, it gets in, it sits on the nicotine receptor in the brain so that the um, nicotine cannot get there. And so they're not getting the positive or the, the dopamine response each time that they smoke a cigarette. So there's not that chemical reinforcement to keep doing that. It gives them some pleasure from it. it they get less pleasure, less pleasure from, from it. Prevents right? them from having right. dopamine release. That right. makes sense. And a lot of times they will tell me that it, the cigarettes don't taste as good when they're taking the Chantex. Yeah. Uh, I like old time radio shows. Uh, they like to listen to them and, you know, sometimes they'll have the commercials on there, you know, and they'll say, nine out of 10 doctors recommend this cigarette for your asthma. Mm -hmm. And I always used to, when I was in high school and play fast pitch softball, you'd see these older guys that smoke, they'd run to first base, they'd start hacking and coughing in the dugout, they'd take a drag off a cigarette and their cough would go away. And I used to think that was so weird. And then when I was in medical school and you learned that, well, there's scopolamine and atropine in cigarettes, tobacco, you know, it's part of the, it actually causes their bronchial tubes to get bigger, then it totally makes sense that, mm -hmm. you know, that short-term relief that people get right. with their smokers caught in the morning with a drag of a cigarette, yep. uh, it is the benefit. So, mm -hmm. you know, fortunately, doctors aren't recommending uh, uh, cigarettes anymore, mm -hmm. uh, which is which is all for the better. Um, what, what, why, one last question, how did you get involved with the nicotine aspect of multi-specialty practice? I know this has been your efforts have complemented the pulmonologies group's uh, mission for a long time, but but how did how did you end up with? Did you miss a meeting? That's what happens to me. I miss a meeting, nope, and then nope, I get a new nope, assignment. Nope. So that didn't nope. happen. Nope. That okay. Did not happen. It was a conscious decision. Like I said, I um, I my career started in uh, my my nursing career started with the pulmonary patient, and a big component of that was, yeah. was COPD and smokers. And there was, there and still is, um, uh, a lot of judgment. And, 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 and they feel, especially nowadays, I mean, people know that smoking isn't good for you. There's a lot of guilt um, involved with it. And that hampers their ability to, they get so caught up in that that they, they can't um, focus their time and energy on, on trying to quit. They, right, and they right. feel... Um, like it's a, that it's hopeless. I tried it and I couldn't, I can't do it. So that's it. And I, I was a smoker. I, I know firsthand how hard it is. And, um, I knew I shouldn't be smoking. I knew all of the bad effects. I, you know, was obviously a closet smoker and hit it and I felt terrible about it. Um, and so I just felt uh, it was it's it's a passion for me. I was like, I am so happy uh, that I am not a smoker anymore, and I want to help other people. Well, that's awesome, mm -hmm. Mary Jo. Really great information. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy uh, pulmonary practice to to visit about this important subject. Again, that was Mary Jo Henry, tobacco specialist, uh, tobacco treatment specialist with Union Point Clinic Multi Specialty. For more information, visit UnionPoint.org. If you have a topic you'd like to suggest for our Live Well Talk on podcast, shoot us an email at stlukecr at uniapoint.org, and we encourage you to tell your family, friends, neighbors about our podcast. Until next time, be well. <laughs>